Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of the Clap Trap. We are back again. It is finally September. We are inching closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. We've got some exciting times ahead. I'm happy to be talking about the Patriots once again, even though it's going to be an interesting season, and we're going to get into all of that today. I've also got some Celtics topics or a Celtics topic to get into, something interesting that came across the wire that I wanted to talk about involving Jason Tatum. And so that'll be something. We've also got the Red Sox in play right now, though. I don't know why they're really still playing at this point. We all know that it's over, but, you know, you keep going. You got to play the games. You got to see what you got in the young talent. And I get it. You keep moving forward. We'll see what they can do in the offseason and next year. Though I'm very down on them per usual. And you got the Bruins starting to get ready for everything as as much as it's it sucks right now after the way that their season ended. And you're going into uh, another season now under Montgomery, but without some of your top guns, obviously losing Bergeron, retiring, Krejci retired. We've got the team losing guys like Todd Bertuzzi and, and so on and so forth. So we'll get into those topics as we get closer to the beginning of that season as well. But it's all about the Patriots right now for me. Inching closer, as I said before, to that start of the season. They've gone through the preseason now. We've dealt with all of the cutdowns, everything that's happening. The most recent uh, cutdowns and and moves have been around the quarterback room, really. I mean, we've obviously had other moves that happened around the team, but the major Topics of discussion, I would say, is around the quarterback room. Obviously, the team got rid of or or waived Bailey Zappi. They also waived Malik Cunningham, if you believe that he had any chance to be a quarterback, which I highly doubt at this point. But, you know, we'll see what he can do down the line. They then re-signed those players both to the practice squad right away. So that's nice to see, uh, I guess, because... I'm a fan of Malik Cunningham and what he was able to do in that first preseason game specifically. And I'm I'm interested to see what he can be as a gadget guy of the future. Maybe a poor man's Julian Edelman someday. I don't know if they can get him into being even a halfway decent wide receiver while also being able to understand some of the, the quarterbacking side of things. I don't know. Maybe they can do something with him. It's an interesting pick. It's an interesting player to have on the on the practice squad and going forward. So I'm fine with keeping him for absolutely nothing. Bailey Zappi. He finally showed that Zappy Fever is completely done. We are all over with that, and I'm happy about it because I didn't see it with him. Sure, you obviously need a backup quarterback for your Mac Jones pick, who is still very questionable. We don't know what he's going to be. Can he even get back to the production that he showed in the rookie season that he had, which had him somehow making a Pro Bowl after everybody else dropped out of it but you had over 4,000 yards passing you had a good season overall for him can he get back to that now that's going to be the question you got rid of McSorley as well nobody ever thought that he was going to be anything on this team but the but the newest news that they have now done they have actually brought in a new quarterback to be behind Mac Jones and that's a quarterback that was waived by the Carolina Panthers in Matt Coral. 
Carol, Coral, C-O-R-R-A-L. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce it. I don't know if we're ever going to need to know how to pronounce it because it doesn't seem like he's going to be anything of value on this team, but it was somebody that the Patriots were able to pick up and put in as their second starter, their backup quarterback as of now with Bailey Zappi willing to go and sit on the practice squad and continue to learn. I mean, what has Bailey Zappi got to lose at this point? He was drafted uh, by a team, by you know, one of the best coaches of all times in Bill Belichick. And now he's finally got a an offensive coordinator in the system that maybe can work with Bailey Zappi and Bill O'Brien. Though you saw him uh, really airing it out against, uh, you know, Bailey Zappi over the preseason. They were trying to give Bailey a lot of run in this one. He was not able to show up during the preseason games. And, and obviously that's a, a major reason why he's now sitting in the practice squad. He was right back with the team. And able to, uh, until Matt Coral is able to step into that backup role, which I'm assuming over these next couple of days, next couple of practices, he will be involved in that role as the backup. And we'll get to see something, but I'm not expecting much. Uh, and and I don't think that you should expect much from Bailey Zappi if he was ever to be put into a game. So I'm completely fine with it. I know that there were some people still out there that believed that Bailey Zappi could be something. And sure, he did great in the role that he had last year when he was thrown into action when Mac Jones was not available due to injury. We all know that. He did very well for what he was asked to do. He worked under Matt Patricia. He ran that dumbed-down offense, and he did it well. And, and no one can take that away from him. He got wins under his belt at the pro level. That's Bailey Zappi for you. But I don't I, I don't think anyone or I don't think anyone who is of sane mind was thinking that Bailey Zappi was going to take some kind of huge leap this year and overtake Mac Jones. If you did. I don't know what you've been watching. I don't know what you were looking at. Mac Jones, though he is still very questionable as a quarterback, has more skills, has more ability than what Bailey Zappi has shown. So uh, you got to give Mac Jones the run to be able to do this again and finally give him a, a real offensive coordinator. This is nothing we haven't talked about before, but how are you supposed to judge Mac Jones off of what he did last year when you had Matt Patricia? Sure, you can judge him for how annoying he was when it came to his you know, attitude off the field. It seemed like he was kind of throwing hissy fits and things like that. I get that. You can judge him all you want for that. But as far as the talent level goes and what he's able to show, I don't think we were able to, to get a peek of what it could possibly be when you had the Matt Patricia offense. So now we get to do that. Now we get to move on to a, a new year, a new season, a new offensive coordinator, and we get to see how things go. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy about the, the direction of the Patriots right now. I, I think it's a good one. Okay, time to take our first break. But then when we come back after this, we'll keep talking about the Patriots and more on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back and talking all about the Patriots as we get ready for the new season, and I'm thinking that there could be a good direction for this team. Now, when I say I think it's a, a good direction that the team is going in, I don't say that as belief that this is going to be a certainly not a Super Bowl contender. I don't even know if they're a playoff contender at this point. It, it, it feels very hard going forward to get into that mindset that, this team that didn't go out and add any real offensive weapons other than Mike Jacecki and Juju Smith-Schuster, which 
for now from all the reports that I'm hearing and, and Juju is now coming out and talking about his injury, his knee injury, because he, he there was some quotes out there talking about how his knee is a ticking time bomb. Uh, people are thinking that that could be a possibility. He's just going to be any at any moment he could go down and, and there's your number one quote unquote non, number one wide receiver down for extended periods of time because of an injury that you kind of saw coming. I mean, he was going into the Super Bowl last year, barely being able to walk plays outstanding in the Super Bowl. Great, great job by him there. But after that, uh, you know, he's having still complications with the knee. He went on some long flight to, I don't know, it, was it China or something? He went on some long flight, long air travel. And when he came back, the knee had uh, inflammation throughout it. So that's obviously not a good sign. That's not what we want to hear. So you you got him as your quote unquote de facto number one wide receiver. You didn't go out there and get another option. You didn't try and go and get DeAndre Hopkins. You didn't even try and go out and get like a Dalvin Cook or something. He ends up with the Jets. So this team didn't really go out and get any offensive weapons. Sure, they got better on defense, I think, personally. Just from a, I mean, a drafting standpoint, you're able to bring in a guy like Keon White, who I have already been saying, I believe he's a stud. I think he's going to be legit. I, I, I mean, already, I feel like that's going to be the case. Who knows what's actually going to happen, but putting him besides a guy like Christian Barmore, that front seven is just getting stronger and stronger all the time. Uh, with the emergence of Josh Uche last year, hopefully he continues in the right direction. You're starting to feel like you have good depth and good talent on that defensive side. We talked about the defensive backs multiple times, the safeties that this team is able to do, the versatility that they've got, guys that they brought in like uh, Mapu, who's going to supposedly be able to be a linebacker slash safety hybrid or something like that. I'm excited about all that. But the only real change that you made on offense was you got a different offensive coordinator. You bring in Juju, you bring in Mike Jacecki. Jacecki immediately throws his shoulder out of his socket. Now all of a sudden he's out, though he's supposed to be coming back. Juju, as I already mentioned, he's got the knee issues that he's dealing with. The offensive line is extremely banged up. You don't know who's going to be your right tackle. You don't know what kind of production you're going to get out of Trent Brown. So a lot of questions on that one. And now we've reached a point where it's it's nut up or shut up time, right? It, it's it's You got to go out there, put the best effort forward, and see what you can do with this team. And I don't know if they're going to be able to handle what's in front of them. Now... <clears throat> I have faith. I have faith in this team. I believe that they could be a 10-win team. But we're reaching the point of no return when it comes to excuses. Uh, you know, any re like obviously last year, you were able to use, sorry, I got something in my throat, I guess. You were able to use the excuse if you want to give them an excuse of, oh, well, they had Matt Patricia, which that's completely on bill. Bringing in a guy like that to your offense a defensive coordinator to run your offense, it's not going to work. Shocker. We all thought that, and it didn't work. Shocked. I'm shocked. But now you don't have that excuse anymore. You've got an offensive coordinator who we all believe and trust in, and Bill O'Brien, at least from a standpoint of he's going to be much better than what you had last year. So maybe you don't fully believe in him as a great offensive coordinator, but you trust that he's going to be better than what we had last year. So you took that excuse out of the equation. 
these players are getting that much older. Mac Jones is going into his third NFL season. It's time to go with this squad. And it doesn't matter what they've got in front of them. You got to play the teams that you got to play. You got to play the quarterbacks that you have to play. You have to play the division that you're in, the conference that you're in. I get all of that. There's no excuses anymore. So can this team do something? Uh, I believe that they can, but it's a cautious optimism. It's a cautious optimism that I have at this point because I don't don't know what this offense is truly going to look like. You bring in Zeke Elliott too. He seems to be really happy because he seems to know that the the team is going to continue to run the ball all the time. And him and Ramondre Stevenson seem to have a relationship and feel like they can feed off of each other. No pun intended there. The Zeke feed himself. Uh, they feel like they can work well together. They have different styles and things like that. So so maybe you'll be able to build something there. We do love the run game, but I don't know. It, 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 is it going to be enough? Is it going to be enough to get you a 10-win season? I think it's possible, but you know, I, I'm just cautiously optimistic at this point. Like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that it's going to be easy whatsoever. So you, you know, you bring in Matt Coral, doesn't really matter. You you sign Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham to practice squad deals, doesn't really matter. You bring in Jalen Rager from the the Vikings and the Eagles, a former first round pick. He's going to be on the practice squad too. It doesn't matter. It's all about the guys that are already there. And the guys that are already there, I'm having some trouble finding reason to believe that they're not going to be injury-prone throughout the season. You've already got the Juju Smith-Schuster stuff that I was just mentioning. Devontae Parker has also been missing from practice for the last two days. They haven't disclosed what that could possibly be, whether it's an injury or it's a personal issue. So who knows what that wide receiver staff is going to look like? Who knows? And it's 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 time to just put it all on the table and and show us what you can actually do. Show us, Bill, what you've been building towards, because this is is now the time. It's now the time. Okay, time for another break now, but then when we come back, we'll keep the conversation going here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back with more of the Claptrap, and I was just talking about how it's time to put up or shut up for Bill Belichick and this Patriot squad. I say that, Because I honestly believe that we've reached the point finally here where there is no shocker here. I'm not going to be shocking anyone, but this is a true make or break season for Bill Belichick. This is a true make or break season for Bill Belichick in the eyes of the fans. Of course, you have the group. That is going to be, uh, you know, against uh, the group of the fan base that is against Bill Belichick. No matter what, he got rid of Tom Brady. He's the reason that all the success ended. He, there was, you can't change their mind. He didn't have anything really to do with the success of the team. It was all Tom Brady. If it wasn't for Tom, you get nothing out of this team, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. You have that group. Then you have the other group that says that, you know, the the group of the fan base that says Bill could do no wrong and Bill we trust, uh, make excuses for him no matter what. This happened, that happened. This is the reason why Bill can't have, uh, you know, a good team this year, da-da-da-da-da, making up excuses. So there's those two equally crazy sides, which I always admit, whether it's this or anything else in life, if you're too far one way or the other, you're probably pretty crazy. So there's the still the the middle group though that this is the year that I think 
the middle group is going to be the the ones that are making up their decision. The middle group of the fan base that understands uh, that it's been very frustrating since the end of the Tom Brady era. And that middle, that middle fan base has feelings in both ways. Maybe some of them feel like they're pretty upset that the Patriots ran Tom out of town. Maybe some of them feel like it was closer to 50-50, but still probably more on the Patriots. Maybe some people think that it was more on Tom Brady. I don't know if that's the case, but maybe in the middle. They're still middling, though. They still don't really know which side that they want to go with things. They're frustrated, though. They're frustrated with the performance of the team since the Tom Brady era ended, and they understand that the team is still rebuilding, but this is now going to be the year where you finally have to put it all out on the table. You had the one year of Cam Newton. That was a horrible experiment, terrible roster, all of that. And they still were able to get to a certain level where you thought that there was a chance that they could make the playoffs, shockingly enough. Then you have the Mac Jones year to start off, rookie year, great job, get to 10 wins, playoff, I guess if you want to call them a playoff team, not really a playoff team. He's a pro bowler, which again, you can't really call him a pro bowler, but supposedly whatever. That's what he was able to do in that season. That's all great. We we love to see that. Then you go into the next season, which was last year, and you bring in Matt Patricia, and everyone's frustrated again because what the hell are you doing, Bill? What are you doing bringing in a guy who is just one of your buddies, who you know you're not going to have to pay him, who is a defensive coordinator, and you throw him into the offensive side of things, and lo and behold, the offense stinks. The offense is, you know, can't figure out play calling. They're fumbling all over themselves. Mac Jones is looking frustrated, yelling, throwing te- temper tantrums. Then he gets injured. Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi comes in. He wins a couple of games out of nowhere against opponents that, you know, probably shouldn't have lost to him. They're in it against certain teams. And then Mac Jones comes back from his injury. You got all the turmoil of, you know, will they, won't they use Mac Jones? Did Bailey Zappi win some type of role here? Mac Jones gets benched after a first possession and thrown in Bailey Zappi with the crowd cheering for him and all that. And then they get smoked still. All of that kind of stuff happened last year. And the middling fans are just ready to pull their hair out. I'm, I'm right there with you, pulling my hair out over the fact that they just can't get their stuff together. And that is not what we expect from a Bill Belichick run football team. If you're still in the middle of the fan base where you think that there's a little bit of both, obviously you needed Bill, obviously you needed Tom Brady. If you're in that area, then you're still questioning why last year was so crazy, why it was so bad, how Bill can just basically take a year off and let the chaos ensue and have his buddy Matt Patricia in there. It doesn't make any sense. So we're frustrated the, the middle of the, the fan base, and I guess I just said we're, as in I'm in there, because I am. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this team, at this coaching staff, and now I'm starting to believe more in them because Bill actually went out and got his new old offensive coordinator and Bill O'Brien back onto the team, and I believe that that's going to be a good thing for the team. I believe that that's going to be a good thing for the offense. It still remains to be seen, but that's how I feel about it. But that makes this to become a make-or-break season for that fan base, for the middling fan base. This is the year that they need to figure it out. There's no more excuses, Belichick. There's no more excuses, Mac Jones. This is the year that you need to go out there and figure it out. And I don't care that GM Bill Belichick didn't go and get you enough wide receivers. I don't care that there's no stud option on the offense 
And it's just going to come down to Mac Jones and a bunch of two and three wide receivers and some decent tight ends. I don't care that the offensive line is is a little questionable, especially on that right side, who's going to be the right tackle and all that. I don't care that the defense has looked good, but it's been against bad quarterbacks. So now you're going to finally have to play a, a legitimate schedule here. None of that matters. Now at this point, all those excuses are out the window. You have to win now, and you have to be better than you were last year. And it's a very low bar to be better than you were last year. Nine wins is not a high bar to set for this Patriots team, for any Patriots team. That's how it's been. So it doesn't matter anymore, Bill. You get no more excuses. If Bill Belichick can't bring this team to perform to a nine-win or higher level, he is truly going to be on the hot seat going into next year. That's it. I know that, you know, like I said, there's the different sides of the fan base. There's the Bill has done everything wrong fan base that thinks that he got rid of Tom Brady and he had nothing to do really with the success. It was all Tom Brady. Of course, they he's been on the hot seat for them for years now. Since he got rid of Tom Brady, he's been on the hot seat. They want to get rid of him. And then there's the Bill can do no wrong crowd that's been giving him excuses and, oh, well, you know, he didn't have enough wide receivers or he didn't have a good quarterback or he didn't have a this or a that or the schedule or whatever. Those guys shouldn't be able to use that excuse anymore either. The middle guys is what we got to figure out. Who, who, how, where is this team going to go? Where is this going to be? And I, I, you know, I'm nervous. I'm worried. I think that this team can win 10 games, but we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Okay, break time here on 90.7 WKKL, but keep it right here because when we come back, we'll have more of the Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. We're back and talking all about the Patriots and the possible outcomes for this team. Winning 10 games is going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot. It is a tough schedule. As much as I'm talking all about how there's no excuses and everything like that, it is a tough schedule. Now when we go back to reality... Uh, because we were just, you know, in another world where it doesn't matter what's in front of you. Figure it out. Go win some football games, Bill. And and win at least nine of them. That's how I feel at this point. But it is going to be a tough schedule. It is going to be a tough year. And the Vegas odds only have this as a six and a half win team. Which is, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. But six and a half wins on this team... That is gross. If if this team can only win six or seven games this year, then 100% Bill has to be on the hot seat. 100%. And I don't know if Robert Kraft is ever truly going to put Bill on the hot seat. Maybe he'll kind of you know float things out there for people to talk about on sports radio, but will he ever actually be on the hot seat? I doubt it. I feel like there's no way that Robert Kraft is going to – let both Tom Brady and Bill Belichick go their separate ways from the team without retiring there. He, I, I think that Robert Kraft is really upset and really kicking himself for not allowing Brady, obviously, to retire on the team. I mean, I'm not saying anything shocking there either. But this team now needs to win more than more than eight and a half games. They need to do better than they did last year. And Vegas has them at a six and a half odd team, six and a half win team, I should say. And I don't know how you guys have been doing it. I know that gambling has just become recently legalized within this last year or so uh, in New in Massachusetts specifically. I don't know what the betting people are like. I'm sure that the fan base, once again, as we go back to like I was saying, 
There's two sides of the fan base. One of them is all believing in Bill. We trust those types. I guarantee you a lot of those people who are gamblers were betting the over on six and a half wins. And then you have the Belichick haters, the ones that are saying that he was the reason, the ones that say that he sucks and it doesn't matter what he does or what coordinator he brings in. They're not going to be good. Those guys are going under on the six and a half wins. I personally went over uh, on this one. I just feel like every single year, no matter what happens with this team, they end up winning some games that they shouldn't win, and they end up losing some games that they shouldn't lose. And that even goes back into the Tom Brady era. That was back when the first four games of the season is a complete crapshoot. It's an extension of the preseason, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think any of that has changed at this point. They could end up two and two, three and one, one and three, and you wouldn't be surprised. And then they'd start to figure things out. That was a Tom Brady era. And I don't think anything has changed. It's a complete crapshoot for those for those first four weeks. And then you really start to get into the season. You figure out what your team has and everything like that. So this team, it, it's it's going to be a struggle. No, no one thinks that it isn't going to be a struggle. Anyone who's telling you that it isn't, again, you're drinking too much of the Kool-Aid, and it's way too strong for me to agree with you on that. I don't understand how you can feel that way. But I also don't feel understand how you can feel completely out on Bill Belichick, a guy who has been able to put a system in place for an extended period of winning. I get it. You only think it's because of Tom Brady. But do you not think that there's any other part of football other than the offense? Do you think that it's been offense, 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 the entire longevity of the Patriots' success? Do you not put any stock into the defenses that were in involved in those first couple of Super Bowls specifically? I don't know. It's hard for me to, to look at those people and understand what they're actually thinking. But once again, as I said before, with anything in life, if you're too far one way or the other, you're probably crazy. That's just how it is. You got to be somewhere in the middle or I can't really understand what you're talking about. So. We're going to find out what happens. We're going to see if this Belichick this Belichick tenure with the Patriots is going to go down in a flame of glory or an ugly conclusion. I don't know what it's going to be at this point. I mean, I have a hard time believing that Belichick's going to just go out uh, when it's not his own way. I, I, I think that he's going to be the one that wants to dictate when he leaves the game of football and it's going to be hard for him to get to that point. So if he's going to get forced out, it's going to be ugly. And uh, if he doesn't know when to leave, it's going to get ugly. So either way, it's going to be bad for him at that point. So we'll, we'll see how things go, but going into the year, as we kind of uh, you know start to start to look at the rest of the league, start to look at the rest of the division, and see who we're against and what we got to deal with every year or two times a year, I should say, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one. I'm not saying anything that people don't already know. This division is tough. This conference is tough. I'm not excited about it. I'm not excited about having to play Josh Allen again two two times this year, even though he's got possible turmoil with Stefan Diggs, though I don't believe any of that kind of stuff. And people are talking about how they could take a step back. I don't think that the Bills are going to take a step back. I think they're going to be right there on your face once again. The Jets now have Aaron Rodgers. 
that's going to be a problem. They already had a good defense. They already had good offensive weapons. So if he can do anything with that offense, Aaron Rodgers, that is, they're going to be a problem. Miami beats us every year, no matter what, whether we had Tom Brady or Mac Jones or Cam Newton, the Dolphins are going to beat us. That's just how it goes. So the division is very tough. The division is very tough. But I'm interested to think, and I actually saw an article on this, about where the Patriots stack up as far as talent, talented players among their division. So I want I want to get into that. I want to get into an article that I read about where the Patriots players stack up within their own division from a talent standpoint. From a talent standpoint. Okay, this talent needs to take a break, but when, when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL, we'll have more of the Claptrap. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back again and talking all about the Patriots still and their possible outcomes going forward into this season. Uh, this this article that I read, now, it was from a Jared Dubin of CBS Sports. And he was breaking down the 2023 preseason All-AFC East team, is how he put it. The All-AFC East team. So you're bringing all four of those squads, the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots together, and you're seeing... What would be the best-looking football team if you put them all together, pick and choose which ones are the best at what position, and this is what he came up with. At the offensive skill position side of things, Josh Allen is obviously the quarterback. He is clearly the number one quarterback in this division. I don't think that there's any argument there. I think that even putting Aaron Rodgers in there, especially after how he played last year and with his age, Josh Allen is just better. I know that he got the injury to the to the elbow last year, and that made him a little bit iffy, but he is obviously the best one there. Running back, he has Ramondre Stevenson, which I, I'm also not surprised about. I mean, yes, the, the Jets brought in Dalvin Cook, and they also have Brees Hall, but Brees Hall got injured. You don't know what he's going to be. The Dolphins are trying to figure out their running back situation. The Bills are trying to figure out their running back situation. The Patriots are the only one that kind of have theirs figured out because they love to run the ball. So uh, completely understandable there. Now you get to the wide receiver group, and you know that the Patriots weren't going to be involved in this one. It's Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle. So Miami's got two out of the three guys at the wide receiver position. No shocker there. I honestly feel like the Dolphins have one of, if not as much as I hate Tyreek Hill, and I was hoping that his newest uh, you know, scandal that he was having was going to get him a punishment because I think he's a scumbag. He is one of the top-tier wide receivers in the league. And then you add Jalen Waddle to that, and they have to be one of, if not the best, wide receiver duo in the league. So obviously that's going to be there. Now the next one that I was questioning about, and again, I think it just be is because the Patriots have the most established player at this position, but tight end. He listed Hunter Henry as the best tight end in the AFC East. Does anyone else think that, that Hunter Henry was ever going to be the best tight end in any division? I mean, I like, don't get me wrong. His rookie year or, or the, the first time that he goes in there with, with Mac Jones and he's able to kind of show that he can be a, a red zone presence and he got much better towards the end of the year, that was great and everything. And sure, we brought in Mike Jacecki, so now we're going to have two tight end options that are pretty good. But I think that the only reason why the, he would put the the Patriots tight end of Hunter Henry in there is because of the other tight end groups around the division. I mean, the Buffalo Bills have Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, which some people have said Kincaid could be pretty legit and grow into something. And Dawson Knox is just a meh. 
guy. Then you got Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama out of the uh, for the Jets, which who knows what's going to happen. Predominantly, I- I've always thought that Aaron Rodgers doesn't really use the tight end to a, to a full extent. He's usually really honing in on those wide receivers. He does love to dump it down to the running back. So I don't think that you're going to get much there. And then the the dolphins have a plethora of just, man, you've never heard of these guy type tight ends, Durham Smith, uh, Eric Subert and Tyler Croft. I, I don't even know if I pronounce all those guys, not names, right? Younger guys, whatever. We'll see what they're going to do. So the Patriots were able to grab out of the skill positions, both the running back and tight end positions. But as we know in this NFL, that's usually not the best thing to have. When you're a running and tight end passing team, you probably need a little bit more than that, unless you're named Patrick Mahomes and you have just the best tight end of the game and that's your main option right there. And then you can sprinkle in some wide receiver help. You're going to need a little more than that. But it was interesting to find out that that's the way that he went with the, the position groups. Now, The next group is the offensive line, something that the entire Patriots organization or people who cover the team, the fan base, everyone's been questioning, can this offensive line be anywhere decent, good enough to hold up and allow Mac Jones to do what he's got to do? Well, the Patriots landed with two of the five positions on this this list here. We've got neither of the tackles because, as we know, Trent Brown is a big question mark. If he was fully focused, I think Trent Brown could be an option on this list, but he's now into his 30s and he's not fully focused, so we understand there. Uh, so you you lose out on the tackle position to Teron Armstead and Deion Watt, uh, Dawkins, and then you go to the guard position. Now, we all know that Cole Strange was drafted and hopefully is going to be a better guy going into this year but the only guard that we have is Mike Onwenu. And I think that Onwenu has been one of the better picks for the team. He's been a great selection. And honestly, he might end up getting kicked out to the right tackle spot at somewhere in this, this uh, season, depending on th- how things go. Wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And then obviously, David Andrews, best center in the division. One of the best centers in the league, I would say. When healthy, David Andrews is a top-tier guy. He's always been considered that, so I'm not surprised there. But just seeing two out of the five positions as the best that the AFC East has to offer, that makes me reconsider everyone questioning the offensive line durability when it comes to this team because, as I said, if you can get an engaged Trent Brown, that's going to be a boost to this team. If you can get Cole Strange to advance one more year and, and be that much better this year going into it, now we're talking about four out of the five Patriots offensive linemen starters are legit. Are legit. So if they can figure out that right tackle slash right guard situation, whether it comes to moving on Wenu out to the the tackle position and one of these other guys can play guard a little bit easier, whatever it's going to be, we have to figure out how that's going to be. But it gives me a little bit of hope that this Patriots team can be better if that's how people are looking at it. They've got some of the top offensive linemen in this division. In this division. So overall, the offense, though we don't have that much on the wide receiver side, we've got one of the best tight ends in the in the division, which again, I, I don't know, take it with a grain of salt. Who's actually going to have good tight ends out of this entire AFC East? I don't even know if anyone will. It'll be interesting to see. Now, that's all the offensive side. We got to work on the defensive side now. But before we get into that, we're going to take another break here on 90.7 WKKL. So keep it right here for more of the Claptrap after this.
The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back and talking all about the Patriots right now. I've been reading an article that's talking about some of the Patriots' bright spots in the division. Let's keep it going. Now, when it comes to the defense for the Patriots, obviously everyone thinks that this team is going to be really good or that's going to be their mainstay. That's going to be the breadwinner of the team is the defense. They think that that's what's going to hold us into these games. I think that personally, but then there's also the group that thinks, hey, you've never played any good quarterback. So let's see what you could do in this one. But when we're talking about the article that I read, once again, this article was uh, done for CBS Sports. It's by Jared Dubin of CBS Sports and, and covering the NFL. And he's doing the preseason a- all AFC East team. The all AFC East team. So only AFC teams or AFC East teams. And what are the best players at all positions? Now, when it comes to the defense, the Patriots have one of actually probably their best player on the team on the defense, right? That's Matthew Judon. So we all know that Matthew Judon was going to be on this list of all of the all AFC East squad for the defensive front. They've got edge guys as Matt Judon of the Patriots, obviously, and Jalen Phillips of the Dolphins. Then the inside linemen, they've got Quinnen Williams of the New York Jets and Christian Wilkins of the Miami Dolphins. So, A little surprising that we're not seeing anybody else of the Patriots, but if you're looking at those names and we're talking about the all AFC East team, you've still got some growth that needs to come from some of those front seven type guys for the Patriots. So I completely understand that. Then you go into the the linebacking group, another group that's young, but I think talented with the Patriots and can continue to get better. As I said, Uche, one of those guys, kind of more of an edge rusher, but I think that he's going to be able to keep developing. You got Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills, and then you got C.J. Mosley of the Jets. Two beastly linebackers, understandable. But this means that the Patriots only have Matt Judon of that front seven as people that are going to be involved in the AFC East all-team, all-AFC East team. That's how we're at right now. And you move down now all the way to the defensive backfield where it's another one of those groups that you think that the Patriots are going to shine in. But once again, you got no Patriots in the all AFC East team. Now you could say that's because some of these other squads like the Jets who have Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, those guys are beastly. You got Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills. You got uh, Jordan Poyer for the Bills at the safety position. These guys are dominant players, though Jordan Poyer is a little injury prone, I would say. And you don't have Devon, uh, uh, Devin McCourty on this squad anymore to be in the mix. You got all these question marks. Jalen Mills, how is he going to be in his new position as kind of the overall free safety? How is Kyle Duggar going to improve into his next season? How are you going to get uh, production out of guys like Jack Jones, Jonathan Jones? I mean, obviously, Christian Gonzalez, you have no idea what he's going to be so far. But they've got a bunch of names that we think can be good. But are they going to be good? We don't know yet. So this team... This Patriots team that you would think had more defensive stars on it, at least as far as the division goes, actually it's showing that we've got more offensive stars, which is shocking to me. And maybe that's part of the reason that this team isn't going to end up being that good because the offensive stars that we have are Ramondre Stevenson, Hunter Henry, Michael Wanu, and David Andrews. So a couple of offensive linemen, 
a running back and a tight end that's just top of the tight end group because it's a crappy tight end group because most tight end groups are crappy. So I don't know this, what, what I'm trying to say from all this watch or, or reading this article about the AFC, all AFC East team, uh, the preseason, all AFC East team is we do have some players that are considered to be really good. And we are starting to stack some of the younger talents in here that can be moving this team into the future. But if our best players are going to be a couple of offensive linemen and our running back, how are we expecting that this team is going to be anything good? How are we expecting that they're going to be able to compete within their own division? I've seen some analysts go out there and say that they're going to go and sweep the division. Obviously, those people are crazy or do really well against the division. And, and you know, uh, well, the Jets could fall apart and they could be the Jets again. The Dolphins, you never know. Tua's right there, concussion, all that stuff. And sure, I believe that that could be the case. I believe that Aaron Rodgers could go off and just want to go smoke peyote out in the desert and just say, screw the NFL. I don't want to play anymore because the new York media is too mean. I certainly believe that Tua's one hit away from his his whole entire NFL career being changed forever, if not ended. Uh, and, and and you never know with Josh Allen and those those Bills, they could certainly take a step back. Though I don't believe that they will. But what what gives you any thought to to think that this team is going to be really good this year? I, I don't understand the people who are thinking that. But I do have some cautious optimism about the direction this team is going because I do see some young talent being drafted and then being shown as some of the better players in at least the division. And I think by this time next year, this all AFC East team is going to show some more of those defensive players that have been drafted, some of those younger guys. And probably not any more of the offense, but at least some of the defense is going to look better. So that's what's going to kind of you know start to bring this whole team together. Bring it all together now. Okay, we're taking one more break before we wrap up the show, so keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of The Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. We're back and about to wrap up the show with one more segment, so here we go. At this point, I think I've said all I can about the Patriots. We got to move on. I do have one other quick story that I wanted to go into. Uh, you know, not not much to say on this one. We got some off-season Celtics topic or a, an off-season Celtics topic to get into, and that's the Jason Tatum calling up Damian Lillard about coming to the Celtics situation. Why Why have we reached now? And this off-season has been good for some reasons. Obviously, you've got Jalen Brown locked up now for years to come. Whether or not he finishes out that contract in Boston or not, that remains to be seen, but he's at least locked up for the long term. You did move on from Marcus Smart, which some people, once again, you have two sides of the Marcus Smart, kind of like you have two sides of the Patriots argument. Is the Marcus Smart move good for the team or bad for the team? You got a lot of people that are sitting in the middle saying, I have to wait and see how things turn out. You got some people who were hating Marcus Smart for a long time, yelling at their TVs constantly about him shooting threes when he shouldn't and ruining momentum. And then you've got other fans that are saying that Marcus Smart was the glue to the team. He was the reason that they were good. He was the the spirit, the fight, the heart of this squad. And without him, they're going to do much worse. We're going to see how things go with all of that. But I'm just questioning at this point why Jason Tatum is still trying to go after, excuse me, go after getting Damian Lillard onto this squad. 
Now, Lillard has made it abundantly clear that he just wants to go play for the Miami Heat. He wants to go hang out with his buddies Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and, and have his own version of a super team down in Miami. That's what he wants to be able to do, try and make a good run at it. And it's a good plan, if you ask me, because if they were at, if they were to add Damian Lillard and all they had to get rid of was Tyler Hero and some draft picks, the Miami Heat would be a really good and very much of a problem in the Eastern Conference this coming season. So I understand that. It makes all the sense in the world to do it. The guys like each other, so yeah, I get it. But why is Jason Tatum continuing to come out here and let it be known that he is pursuing Damian Lillard. Now, I don't even know who they would be able to, the Patriots, uh, the Patriots, the Celtics would be able to trade at this point for a guy like Damian Lillard. He had just locked up Jalen Brown, like I said. He has a no trade clause, and I believe he can't even be traded either way for a year because of the stipulations of the contract. And so you already got rid of Marcus Smart. You've already gotten rid of some of the other filler-type players. Grant Williams is gone, who could be added into a trade. Uh, I don't know exactly who you're thinking that you're going to actually move for Damian Lillard that would make the Portland Trailblazers actually want to do it. Now, at this point, now that Jalen Brown is off the table, the Miami Heat have a much better offer to give the Portland Trailblazers, so it's not even going to happen. And then secondly... It seems like Damian Lillard keeps denying him every single time he asks. Now, of course, they're probably best friends, just like everybody else in the NBA is just all buddy-buddy friends and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But so he's he's not going to, you know, blatantly deny it and be like, screw you, Jason, I'm not going to the Celtics or anything like that. But he doesn't want to come here. He doesn't want to go to the squad. It, it, it's pretty clear. It's nice that Jason Tatum is going out there and trying to recruit people because that makes you think that, okay, Tatum sees himself as being a Boston Celtic for the future. He sees himself as this is the place where he wants to grow. He's not pulling a Kyrie Irving and going to the all-star game and being like, hey, Durant, we should team up somewhere else, right? He's actually trying to get players to come here. So that's good. That's good. But I think you're going after the wrong players at this point, Jason. I don't think that there's any point in continuing to pursue Damian Lillard, who clearly doesn't want to come here. And on top of it, I don't know how you're going to get it done. What are you going to try and do? Can you even flip? Can you turn around and flip Kristoff Porzingis for him? Can, like, who else are you going to uh, actually move in a package to try and get him? And would the Portland Trailblazers actually want to do that? Probably not. Probably not. Now, Damian Lillard has come out and, and backtracked off of his original comments, which said, Hey, any other NBA team, I will not show up to training camp. I will not put in an effort if you if you try and go after me. I only want to play for the Heat. He's backed off of that because now he realizes that the Portland Trailblazers hold all the keys and they can decide where he goes at the end of the day. So he he's kind of, you know, been like, okay, I will try for any team. I'll do whatever. But at this point, like I just said, the trailblazers hold all of the keys. They are the ones that can turn it, the engine and make it go. If they want to make a trade, they will do so. But if you have nothing to offer, what they're not going to they're not just going to give you Damian Lillard for a bunch of crap. They're not going to give you Damian Lillard for all of your bench pieces. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I just don't understand what what Jason Tatum is actually thinking at this point. Does he think that he can go out there and say, Damian Lillard, I want you to come to the Celtics, and and Damian's going to be like, yeah, Tatum, let's go, let's do it. And then the Celtics can just offer a bunch of draft picks. 
and, and, and you know, young players, and that's going to get it done? I just, I don't know. So maybe if there was a way to, to I don't really know. I haven't really looked into it. If you could still flip Christoph Porzingis, and for some reason the Trailblazers actually want him, especially after this plantar fasciitis stuff going on, maybe. But I just, I don't know. So I'm I'm confused by all of this. I'm excited for the new season. I want to see how this team is going to do, and especially how Jalen Brown's going to re- respond to having such a monster contract. But I just don't see the, the team going after him. So why even keep pursuing him, Jason? Why even keep putting allowing it to be put out there that you're you're really trying to get Damian Lillard on this team when you know we're not going to be able to do it? So I don't know. All right. That's basically the show for today. Uh, I do want to say that next week we are going to be bringing back the gambling competition. We got some different things that we want to try this year for the gambling competition. It is all going to be football once again. This year, I think that we're going to try and do just only NFL games. And we're going to pick five specific games that all of the guys in the competition have to bet on, whether it's a spread or a money line or an over under or something like that. And we're all going to bet on the same games, exactly. There's going to be probably no player props anymore. It's just going to be all spreads, money lines, and over-unders. So if you're interested in that, if you want to follow along, that's going to be starting up again next week. If you have any recommendations on how we should change the competition that would make it more fun or more interesting, you can always email the show at theclaptrap at gmail.com. So that would help us out if you have any interesting tips or or tricks or something to make it a more interesting competition for you guys out there. Otherwise, it'll be back next week. We'll be posting all the picks online, on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow at the Claptrap to follow along with the show and with the picks. It's going to be a fun time. I'm excited to start talking about more football once again. I got the itch to get back into the gambling side of things when it comes to football and whatnot. So I'm excited. We're almost into the fall. I know that the summer's almost over. It stinks. I get that part, even though this this summer has kind of stunk anyways with the weather, especially in Massachusetts. So it is what it is. But I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the upcoming months. I'm excited for next week. I will talk to you guys then. Have a good one. See you later. Peace. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Cape's Classic Alternative.